This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 87 with Alan Williams. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Now, here is your host, MC Laubscher. Hello everyone, MC Lobster here and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today and in today's show we're going to look at a holistic, systematized and principle-based approach to money management. You know, we are not taught anything about money in schools, universities and colleges And these institutions have failed students miserably by not empowering them to even teach them the basic principles of personal finance and money management. And then, of course, there's no financial education taught in schools to empower people of how to become entrepreneurs and investors and create income for themselves through assets having their money work for them, they're only taught of how to work for money. My guest today is Alan Williams. Few experts today understand how to solve the financial problems facing most people like Alan Williams. Alan Williams is a nationally published author, speaker, and personal financial mentor with a 30-year background in corporate management and finance. In 1994, he combined his financial experience with that of Peter Jebson, to form Time and Money, LLC, a Utah-based service company specializing in financial literacy and principle-based money management. Along with Peter, Alan is known as a leading expert in the financial literacy industry using his extensive knowledge in debt restructuring, insurance, tax law, and estate organization to provide unique interrelated training between all areas of personal finance. Alan is a principal author and developer of Money Mastery, a financial literacy and coaching program that helps individuals and families get total control of their finances, and the co-author of Money Mastery, 10 Principles That Will Change Your Financial Life Forever. I've always been a big fan of having a foundation and a framework with a checklist that's principled and value-based to draw on during decision-making. And these 10 Money Master principles that we will be discussing today with Alan Williams provides a fantastic checklist and framework. The Money Mastery principles are as follows. Principle 1, spending is emotional. Principle 2, when you track your money, you control it. Principle three, savings is actually delayed spending. Principle four, power down your debt and power up your fortune. Principle five, know the rules. Principle six, the rules are always changing. Principle seven, always look at the big picture. Principle eight, organizing your finances enables the creation of additional wealth. Principle nine, Understanding taxation enables you to retain more money. And principle 10, money in motion creates more money. 
Please share your feedback on today's interview with me. You can let me know your thoughts on Twitter by tweeting me at mclobsher or by email at info at cashflowninja.com. And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at cashflowninja.com or texting cashflowninja, one word, all capitalized, to 44222. That's two fours and three twos. As some of my listeners may know, I live in Newtown, Pennsylvania, a town that's about 45 minutes away from Philadelphia, the birthplace of the United States, the home of the cheesesteak, the Rocky Steps, and also the hometown of the beloved founding father, Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin believed that investment and knowledge pays the best interest, and early to bed and early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. The Cashflow Ninja have aligned itself with partners that aims to empower you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Our healthy partner on it provides supplements, nutrient-dense and earth-grown foods, and fitness equipment to help you achieve your next level of well-being and total human optimization. Our listeners can get a 10% discount with coupon code GETONIT at CashflowNinjaHealth.com. Our wealthy partner, Fundrise, gives everyone the opportunity to invest directly in high-quality real estate without the middlemen. Fundrise makes the process of investing in the highest-quality commercial real estate from around the country simple, efficient, and transparent. You can get started with as little as $1,000 and do not have to be an accredited investor to participate in some of their offerings. You can check them out at CashflowNinjaWealth.com. And don't forget our wise partner, Audible. You can download any audiobook for free when you try Audible for 30 days. You can download your free audiobook at CashflowNinjaBook.com. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to the Cashflow Ninja Podcast with your host, MC Lobsher. You must be prepared to ignite. Mr. Williams, welcome to the show. Glad to be with you. This is... Uh an important piece of information I hope we can share today that would be benefiting in the lives of others. Uh, and uh, so happy to be with you. Fantastic. Can you please share a little bit about your background with my listeners? I sure can. I sure can. Um, Money Mastery is very much a product of experience. Uh, there's probably there, there's two originating authors, myself and my partner, Peter, uh, Peter Jepson, and they're probably in total... Uh, another three or four authors that have contributed to the message and the material that we we provide. So speaking of experience, you know, I'm a, a family man. I've been married to the same woman for 56 years. We have three children and 14 grandchildren, one great-grandchild. Uh, so having uh, a life's experience in that regard, coupled with the uh, experience from a corporate financial standpoint, and the personal standpoint, that's what kind of brings Money Mastery to the fore, is to see finances from uh, those two angles. And that's what, what we have we have created, uh, is the idea that we can manage our money better, and it comes out of our experiences to how to do that. So really, uh, we, we have identified with the book, The Richest Man of Babylon, which is a thesis about money principles, money management. And so it has become the philosophical basis of money mastery. And uh, we have adopted that in our program such that money mastery becomes the how-to on how to build wealth and financial financial security. So having been in several industries in the past, coming from a corporate financial background, CEO, uh, CFO, 
and gone public, gone private, you know, been down the road many ways in the, in the financial arena. Uh, the focus now is, of course, on finances at a very personal level. And uh, that's what everybody's out to do is to make money to support their families and their future. And uh, so our experience, my experience as an author, uh, contributes to the overall perspective of money mastery. And uh, that's kind of where, where it comes from. We, we, we claim the principles based on our own experience. Yeah, and I, I like the philosophy of having principles and values as a foundation for decision-making. And the 10 Money Mastery Principles is extremely powerful. And when I came across your work and these principles, I, I knew right away that I wanted to have you on the show to share them with uh, my listeners. Can you please give us a brief overview of these principles? I sure can. And uh, it's, it's interesting, you know, we're in very complex financial times. I mean, everything from the political front on a national level down to our own circumstances, uh, it's very complicated. And uh, to stay on top of it and to be able to manage with it. In other words, gone are the days when you planted the crop in the spring, harvested it in the fall, and you lived off the income until the next crop came off. And if you didn't have money for shoes for kids, they run around barefoot in the summertime. You don't see that anymore. And gratefully so, of course. But but the, the, the onset of... Uh, of, of financial variables that are available to us. In other words, we're, the kids don't run around barefoot because you can put money on the credit card even though you may not be able to afford the shoes. You couple that with latchkey kids and all the other emotional components that go into to personal money management. There's, there are a lot of reasons to why people uh, get to retirement age and don't have any money. And uh, so the principles sort that out. The principles give us a threshold, a basis uh, upon which we can make decisions. And of course, the principle is a concentration of truth. And what we want to do is given the time we have and the money we have within the time frame that we have, we, we apply these concentrations of truth, these principles, and we can make our life financially become more predictable. In other words, it's possible today to predict that you'll have plenty of money for retirement. Right. Now, it's not going to happen unless we abide the principles and tools and techniques that go with the principle in order to cause that, that to happen. So a principled approach simplifies the variables that are available to us all. And of course, money mastery is a very positive affirmation of building wealth. And it's clear that you can, from our point of view, that you can have anything you want financially. And so it's about having more money. It's about, you know, uh, getting, uh, building wealth faster. Uh, it sorts out the, the, the problem that a lot of us have gone through, which is to try to solve our financial goals and ambitions and concerns with more money. And certainly money mastery is about more money, but it's, it's, it's acquiring the money on a, on an exponential basis to accelerate the rate of our, our progress, knowing that we have to do certain things to make our money work for us because we're, we, we have limited time and we have limited, limited money. So again, the, the idea of a principle-based approach helps sort through uh, the maze of confusion that's, that besets us on a daily basis. I mean, we got the merchants screaming at us to buy, buy, buy. I mean, buy a household 
full of furniture, you don't have to pay for it for a year. I mean, how do you manage those variables? The most common effort people make today, it used to be the, it used to be the most common phone call they make to the bank, but today they're always checking online to see what balances they have in the bank so they can decide whether to make an expenditure. Now that's, that's an uh, inefficient, to put it mildly, that's an inefficient way to, to manage your money. That's a symptom of, of real problems. But rather, I should say, it's a symptom of missed opportunity to get your money to do better by following a set of principles, tools, and techniques that, that go with it. One of the principles that's in there is that money is an extremely emotional topic. I mean, it's it, it's... Yeah, you refer to it as emotional spending. And rather than telling people what that they shouldn't be emotional about money, um, what advice can you give people on how to manage their emotions when it comes to money? Well, the principle itself says that spending is emotional. It's that moment of, of decision-making relative to a particular expenditure. It can be for an ice cream cone. It can be for a car. It can be for a suit of clothes, whatever there is an emotional component there, but it's not about guilt, but that's the first thought we have when we talk about this principle. But I would hasten to explain that money is, 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 is fungible. In other words, if you had $3 today and I gave you another dollar a year from now, how many dollars would you have a year from now? Well, that would depend on whether I spent it or whether I invested the dollars or whether I lost the dollars or they were stolen or whatever happen to the dollars over that period of time. And so money, is, and that's, that, that same thing happens to oranges. You had three oranges today and I give you another orange a year from now, what would happen to the oranges? Well, the oranges are, 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 are they've dried up and they've gone away or they've been eaten. They've been, and the same is true with money. We may consume the money and not have the money down the road. But the question is, who made the emotional decision to spend or allow the money to be not invested or whatever was done with it, somebody made that decision. It's that moment of power. The emotionality is a point of power. It's an opportunity to make a good decision instead of a bad decision or to make a great decision instead of just a good decision. So the, 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 that emotional moment to make an expenditure has got to be based on circumstances that takes the emotion away. In other words, what's the best use of the money at the time, given the fact that we're limited in the amount of money we have for the time that we have it? So the whole basis of money mastery <clears throat> is about the value or, or recognizing the, the, the inter, interdependence of time and money. They go together. That's how everything is calculated, whether it's your investments or your, your, your debts. It's calculated based on, on, the, on the time and money based on the relationship of what you have over time. And so we make money and then we spend money, but we don't understand the opportunity cost of what we have just done. And so I'm just trying to illustrate that, it, that, that spending is emotional, is about that moment when you make an expenditure, is it the best decision to make? Well, we have systems and tools on the rest of the principles that, that foment that opportunity to be treated in the most positive, positive way. And that's the principle spending is emotional is about a positive affirmation of making the best decisions with the money you have given the time 
that you have it. Sure, there's an element of guilt along the way. We all have to indulge ourselves a little bit. We should want to. That's a human nature. But we don't need to do it in a guilty way. We can do it in a positive affirmation way. There's nothing wrong with indulging oneself. But if we plan for it, and this is where the other principles come in, particularly principle number two, for example, is that we plan for the expenditures so that when we, when we indulge ourselves in something we don't need, we just want, then it's okay because everything else is taken care of. We've planned for it. We accumulate the dollars for it. You want to come home and take a wild weekend with your, with your, with your spouse on the spur of the moment? It, we can plan for that kind of thing, and we should plan for that kind of thing. And so the emotionality is very positive. It can be a happy kind of thing. It takes the, 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 the money master takes the drudgery out of, of money management. We've got to get away from just feeling, well, I make money, therefore I should be able to spend my money. Well, of course you should spend your money. But let's, let's process it in such a way that we get more out of the money uh, that we make. It's the emotionality of the decision itself to spend or invest the money, whatever you're going to do with it. It's an emotional one, but it's a positive, powerful opportunity when we deal with the limited funds we have and the limited time that we have them available. Yeah, and that's so powerful, especially to to have a plan. It's uh, you know, it, it, it's a saying uh, uh, from Alice in Wonderland: if if you don't know where you're going, any road will do, right? Yes, or Yogi Berra said, "If you don't know where you're going, how do you know when you get there?" <laughs> you know, it's it's all about planning. That's where the the principle number seven comes in. Is always look at the big picture. You know, it's it's about fitting these things, uh, fitting these things together, is the uh, is the trick, and to do it all at the same time. This is what people don't understand how to do. They know about debt, they know about spending, uh, budgeting, as they often refer to it. Uh, they, they hate taxes, and of course, they all want a, a safe and successful retirement, all right? right? So what they don't realize is those four elements are interdependent with each other. And so when you make an, uh, an expenditure for a car, that has an impact on retirement. And I'm, I'm talking about significant expenditures, two or three hundred dollars or more in a sign, sing, single expenditure. These are very, very significant, but people don't know how to make the decisions with those four elements in play all at the same time. They'll refinance their home to reduce the cash cost of their mortgage and then take that money that they're now saving, two, three hundred, four hundred dollars a month, five hundred dollars a month, whatever it is. And they'll go out and buy a car or a stereo or something. They don't, they don't, they don't leverage the the the, the process that's available to them. And, and the reason they don't is they don't have the basis upon which to make the stronger decision. And money mastery presents all of that. So with money mastery, your wealth grows faster uh, and more safely than any other way. And that's kind of one of the uniquenesses of money mastery is because it takes a whole, uh, a holistic approach to personal finances. It, it, it takes a systematic approach so that when mama goes to the grocery store, she's not worried about the, the house payment or tuition for the kids. She's just worried about groceries because she knows exactly 
what she has, and she knows everything else is taken care of. The money mastery is a very positive, happy, feel good, have more money kind of an environment, but it does require taking a systematic approach to the money you have while you have it. I like the principles of knowing the rules and then know that the rules are always changing. Can you speak to that a little bit? Because I've spoken uh, to my listeners about that before, that we have to know the rules of the game and then play it to the best of our ability, but we also have to be aware that the rules are always changing. Well, there's a dimension of that, that uh, uh, two dimensions of it, the, the, the rules that affect us personally and then the largesse of the rules out there. You know, like it's very, very common for the federal tax department to impose you know, a whole bunch of new rules add, you know, a few thousand pages to the to their 60,000 pages already have in place. That's one thing. But it's another thing to deal with it at, at a local level. Uh, for example, it uh, wasn't too long ago, I think it was in 2011, they reduced the employee withholding on uh, FICA. So it resulted in a typical $100, $200, $300 additional cash flow into people's lives, which they did not recognize was happening. They did not know about it because they don't understand Social Security withholding or Medicare withholding in relationship to their state and federal income tax withholding. So they didn't know that. And then two years later, it was reversed. And now that cash flow went away. Now they felt it, but they weren't prepared for it either way. They didn't take the positive cash flow that occurred and put it uh, down on their debt to accelerate down on their debt or do something other constructive with it, put more into their 401k or their investments. Uh, on the other hand, when they, when the, when that additional cash flow went away, then it resulted in, in uh, more debt typically. I want to make a point to you uh, here that I've interviewed personally, I've interviewed thousands of people about their personal finances. I have personally coached uh, upwards of 700 families uh, over the, in the last 20 years, wherein I've coached them each for a year or longer. So I've been down this road a piece with people at a very personal level, and it is surprising to me that in my experience, and I think it's, it's generally true throughout, but in my experience, about 95% plus of those people are spending more money than they make. In fact, we know additionally, that is from census records, that the average American works for 40 years to age 65 and has at that point in time $60,000 to their name, including the equity on their home. So how can you work for 40 years, pay 30, 40 years on a mortgage and not have more equity than, you know, than $60,000? Well, it's because they're overspending and they're refinancing. And so they're refinancing three or four or five times in their lifetime and consolidating debt and so on. So why do we spend more money than we make? That's why 97% of people are, not, are, are totally dependent upon Social Security for retirement. And it's because they're not prepared. That's why we're working to, to as, as long as we're able-bodied, we still have to work for a lot of Americans. That's the way it is. Now, we can blame a lot of other things for it. And for sure, there's accuracy to that. You know, the recession, uh, the loss in the marketplace, the uh, the uh, onset of taxes and regulations and loss of job, and there's all kinds of reasons for it. 
but we're not prepared to adapt to those things because we don't have a plan. We don't have a system in place. We're making money and spending money, making money and spending money. When the making goes down or up, we don't, we're not prepared to control the spending side. And if the spend, if the money goes down, we're not control, we're not prepared to adapt or adjust the, the spending side. And the reason is, is because we don't know how. And, and this, this, what I'm talking about applies to uh, all income levels. And my typical demographic is 60,000 or 60 years, uh, 60,000 a year to the half a million or a million dollars a year income. And that demographic, there's plenty of room to, to uh, make adjustments. But the problem I'm describing is common. We don't know how to manage our money with the future in mind. We don't know how to have anything we want financially, knowing at the same time that we can't have everything we want. So it's all about the management of time and the money that you have for the time that you have it and to get the most out of it. Now, the more income you have, the less aware of the inefficiency you are, the less pain there is, but it doesn't mean that you're efficient. When I sit down with a, with a specialist physician making $650,000 a year, age 49, and he tells me, I don't know about what's happening to my retirement. I don't know what to do about it. I can't seem to get rid of my debt. And his wife pipes up and says, when we have paycheck to paycheck on 650000 a year. I mean, why is that? Well, all we're taught is, is, is how to make money and how to calculate our investments, but we're not taught how to manage our money. There's nothing in medical school or, or, or pharmacy school or school teaching lesson uh, and uh, study or anything that talks about personal money management. On the state of Utah, for example, there is a law that says to graduate from high school, you have to have a semester of financial literacy. Good idea. And money mastery is a primary curriculum for that purpose. But that's not what they're teaching. No, they're, they're having the gym teacher figure out a lesson plan because they can't afford to buy the, the proper curriculum for, for, the, for, for the kids. My point simply is people are not taught in this complicated financial world how to manage their money in, a, in an efficient way. Now, some can claim to do that. So I'm talking generally and some do it, but I see a lot of abuse over money where people are, are, are family members are in a mean way constrained in terms of money management. They're uninformed about what, what is going on. And that's part of money mastery is learning how to communicate about money and, and, uh, and deal with the holistic approach of these things on a systematic basis. People do what we ask them to do. It'll bless their lives without question and without risk. It's possible to retire today on a guaranteed income basis with plenty of money. All we got to do is manage it to get there. We got to know where we're going. We know where we're at, but a lot of people don't know where they're at financially and they don't know where they're going. So they're wandering all over the place financially and figuratively in terms of how they manage their money. So I don't want to ever sound critical, but I want to sound the alarm that there's an opportunity available to people that they don't recognize because they're consumed with their everyday in such a way that because they made the money, they should be able to spend it even though they spend more money than they make. How can you be on mint.com and, and, and be spending $2,500 a month more than you make. 
I mean, how can you do that? Well, people do that. And so Money Mastery wants them to have more for retirement, get out of debt quicker, never argue with their spouse again, have another three, four, five hundred $500 a month extra to spend and uh, get out of debt in eight to 10 years. I mean, it's, it's, it's a wonderful place to be. And uh, a principle-based principle guided approach is what Money Mastery is all about. This is a, a life skill that everyone should should have. You should you should learn uh, the skill of managing your own money. I think uh, you know there are some skill yeah. there are some skills that you would outsource. You know, um, if I if I've got a sore tooth, trust me, I'm not I'm not going to try and take care of my own dental work. I'll go to a dentist. But managing your money and your finances is definitely something that. It's a it's a life skill, and it's crucial uh, to be an empowered, uh, self reliant, independent uh, human being. No matter where you are in the world, to be able to do this. And some of the great points that you made too is, you know, you you've dealt with uh, very high earners, which still lives paycheck to paycheck because of uh, we've discussed Parkinson's law on this uh, on this podcast too. Um, where their expenses just rise to meet that additional extra income and in most cases exceed it. So, so, so valuable information you just shared, sir. Um, and you also mentioned uh, the example of the taxation, and that's in one of the principles over here, understanding taxation enables you to retain more of your money. That's a principle which I'm very much aligned with, and I believe you know we should do everything in our power to legally limit and reduce our taxes and where we can pay taxes on the seed and not the harvest. What advice and some strategies can you share with my listeners for them to implement in their financial lives today to be more efficient in, in this aspect? Well, this is a huge principle, of course. If you added up all the taxes that we pay, as consumers, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot. I mean, it's, it's, uh, over 50%. And there are a lot of numbers thrown around with regard to that, uh, that amount. But, uh, typically after appreciation or depreciation, uh, taxes, uh, interest cost, uh, and so on, we have about $24 out of every hundred we earn in order to, to live, to, to pay off our debt and raise our families and build retirement. So we have a severe, severe demand on our dollars. Now the taxes is a particularly big component of that. And everybody hates taxes. Logically, they understand why they're there, but everybody feels overtaxed. For example, people say, well, I'm in a 25% tax, tax bracket. Okay. There's a definition that may define that, but the reality is you only paid 15% federal tax. When you look at your net effective tax rates, you only paid 15%. So the perception of tax needs to be made more accurate. And I say that in, in my experience where people are generally very unfamiliar with their 1040 form. I mean, the relationship to their Schedule C or their K-1s to their 1040 and the Schedule A and the other components that, that, that build to this 1040, people do not understand. Now, they pay for tax preparation, 
but they don't know how to ask the tax preparer the kinds of questions that would help them become better informed about their taxes. For example, one client said that they asked the tax preparer what they could do to save more money on taxes, and the answer was have more kids. Well, the client didn't think that was very funny, and I didn't think it was very funny in the, in, in the context of, of the seriousness of the tax approach. Now, I notice there's three areas where people mess up taxes that need to be resolved. One, they tend to pay Uncle Sam too much too soon, especially on the W-2 side. They tend to pay Uncle Sam too much too soon. Two, people in general, both the, 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 the 1099 and the W-2s, don't know all the tax benefits that are available to them, coupled with the fact that a lot of people go into business, have their own business, and their primary objective, or at least a major thought in their process, is they want to have, have a business for themselves so that they can save more taxes which is never a reason to go into business, is to save taxes. It's one of the benefits of going into business. And, and we know that the Congress and their wisdom has two tax systems in this country, one for the W-2 and one for the, for the 1099 type person. And there are a lot of incentives uh, to do that, but, but, in, but people don't know how to do that. And then the third problem is when people save money on taxes, they don't use the savings. They, they, that is, they don't build with the savings. They don't apply it to their debt or they don't invest it. They tend to consume it. Now, for a, for a 1099 business person, the, 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 op, the opportunity to use that extra money to buy more things to increase the volume of their, their sales, to increase their, their, in, their net income, all those things are available to them. But I, I'm surprised at the, the unawareness of the tax system that we're in. I'm always disappointed in the tax preparers. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about accounts and authorized preparers in general, is that they don't do a good job of explaining to people what it's all about and what their opportunities are. They, they're focused on bouncing the books and getting the, getting the stuff filed, but they don't well, let me put it this way. I don't think, I think any tax preparer I've ever worked with, and I've worked with a lot of accountants over the years on the business side, and I've never found one that was really lucid and helpful from a business strategy standpoint. And so for those of us in business, I find that a real dearth of uh, a mistake. We, we rely on our tax preparer, but they're not, they're not business strategists. And so, People in business need to talk to people like myself and Money Mastery and adopt these principles and become uh, involved in the larger process so that you become more constructed to be able to, to hold these people accountable. I mean, I had a, uh, just uh, this last, well, back in September, had a client that's in the real estate business, talk to me about taxes that are being filed, about to be filed, and I said, well, you've got them prepared. Let me take a look at them. Well, we found that there have been several omissions on the part of the tax preparer. Now, the tax taxpayer is not aware of, of what to look for and therefore couldn't identify the, the, the omission. 
and so by going through the form, going educating them on the process and what to what to look for, they, they, they found the omission and uh, you know saved them ten thousand dollars in taxes. So so it's a it's a real problem because it's so confusing. But at our personal level, if you you need business strategy as it relates to as it relates to taxes, and to be able to manage the money better within that that process, uh, whether you take the money out uh, to make well, I'm talking about rolling money from one investment to another. For example, you can minimize the taxes by deferring the taxes, and those those strategies people just don't know about in a in a very general way and so taxes are a, a bit of a nightmare and we're very uneducated and not prepared on, on a personal level to understand them and that's what money master where money mastery uh, uh comes in and or anybody else that does what we do actually by the way though there's not very nobody i know that does what we do because we do a lot of a lot of personal coaching one-on-one coaching with people our whole program our whole membership program supports the process of coaching makes makes our expertise available to people so that they can come to us with whatever questions whenever they whatever questions they have whenever they they have them so that we can support the process because it's as we've talked about already it's a very complicated financial environment in which we find ourselves in today's society with easy credit and uh uh, a lot of social pressure on us to have and buy things, and we there's a better way to make those those kinds of decisions. Taxes being an important part of being able to minimize the uh, or well to, to optimize the cash flow that we have so that we can build a better retirement. The single biggest wealth destroyer, taxes. So it's just so important to be able to uh, to manage and limit and reduce that. And the other really valuable point that you also made when it comes to financial professionals and advisors and and strategists the education component has to be a big part of it and i would suggest that listeners too i mean this is an area of your life where you really need to be picky and don't just settle for the first one that you find out there try to figure out a lot about their valuable values their principles um, their philosophy, and also if fi- if educating you and um, helping you understand your overall picture better is is a part that they offer because that's extremely important, and especially the continuing education because um, as you've mentioned, it is uh, it really is uh, a, a an environment that's very complex and it is increasingly changing and. Uh, in my opinion, will just continue to change, and the changes will be more quicker and faster and more uh, more severe. But to get to one of the uh, the principles that you speak about too, sir, money in motion creates more money is definitely one of my favorite ones, and I like the order that you have them in as well. To first have the emotions right at the top, to have control and your plan, everything in place. But this one, uh, the final one, I, I, I really like. Of course, you have to have all the building blocks in place before we focus on this one of our money in motion that creates more money. This show shares a lot of strategies, how to create cash flow and income streams across asset classes. Um, and we want every single dollar in our personal, our family, and our business economy 
to work as hard as possible for us and turn as many times possible, just as like the banks do it. Are there some uh, strategies that you can share with my listeners of um, how to efficiently have their money in motion, create more money for them? There sure is. And uh, I like your reference to the banking concept uh, because when you think about it, the way banks make money is by having a system. Yes, I know they make money by charging interest, of course, but they can only do that systematically. They have to have the, the pieces in place. There's a, the, the banks have, uh, uh, the, they have to have proper accounting. They have to operate within certain ratios. They have to have relationships with other banks by virtue of treaties and and uh, other agreements uh, so that you and I can take a check from one bank and deposit it in another bank and have it accepted. Those things are routine to us, but, but technically it's, it's built on a highly complex system that the banks have. For example, the Federal Reserve plays a very important part in how the banks make their money and how they have money available to lend and so on. And so it's a it's a it's a, like an engine. It's like uh, it has a bunch of moving parts that are all working in synchronization with each other. There's a fit to things. Now, we encourage our clients to think like a bank. Learn to think like a bank. Think systematically. And so I said, because banks operate within a system, the individual needs to operate within a system. And so what system is available to them? And so we talk about our 10 principles, for example, spending is emotional, uh, which we've talked about. Principle number two, when you track your money, you control it. Uh, and, and three, savings is actually delayed spending. And four, power down your debt and power up your fortune and know the rules. And, and the rules are always changing in five and six. And number seven is always look at the big picture. And, and number eight is organizing your finances enables the, the uh, creation of additional wealth. Now, principle number 10, money in motion creates more money, means you need to have a systematic approach. You need to have a system. And and in in this case, the system that people can have to be able to think like a bank, meaning have a system, as a bank has a system, is to use all the principles of money mastery, all the tools and techniques of money mastery, because it is their financial engine that allows them to be able to make a decision on how to spend money. Let me give you a very specific example. I see people all the time who will have five, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, dollars saved over here in a rainy day fund, sitting over here in a bank account at 0.25%. On the other hand, they have credit card debt over here at say 15% or 10% or some, some significant number much, much greater than what they're earning on their money. This is one of the great disparities today that people just don't, don't realize. So think about this. You had $10,000 sitting at 0.25%. Then you move your money from 0.25% and pay down on the debt at say 10% then you've increased your, uh, you've leveraged your money by a, uh, by a multiple of 40. 10 times four would be 40. So you 40 times your money, you have 44 
40 times multiple on the same piece of money that you still own and control. It's in your available. It's available to you and it, and you, you control it. Now, the idea sounds good. Let's move my $10,000 over here and have it make more money. In fact, it's not only going to save me 10%, I don't have to pay taxes on the savings that I've made. So I've saved on $10,000 at 10%, I've saved $1,000 versus 1% or a quarter of 1%, which would be, what would it be on $10,000? would be $100. I've saved, I've, I've earned $25 on one hand, or I've saved 1000 on the other hand. I got to pay tax on the $25. I don't have to pay tax on the $1,000. So why is my money sitting over here on the, in, in the bank deposit when it should be over here working for me on my debt, for example? Now, this, this concept can apply to any kind of debt, for example, a home equity line of credit or any kind of debt that you can go back and get the money. So we encourage people to save money for an emergency. It's one of the psychologically most important things you can do when managing your money. But you can't afford to have this savings money, this $10,000 or 20000 or 30000 or whatever it is, sitting at an idle 0.25%. The multiple is 40 times in this example. I mean, banks would kill for that kind of leverage. And yet we as consumers have it available to us, but we don't know how to do it because what I'm just describing is very strange to a lot of people because they're using the money to pay down on a credit card, for example. Well, if they got good credit, they can always go back and get the money by using the credit card. If they, they had the emergency savings deposited on, on some debt, a credit card, for example, and then they incurred a $1,000 deductible for, for a car repair, then they can go to the credit card to, to retrieve the money. Uh, for that thousand dollars that they didn't have it otherwise in their spending plan. So uh, money in motion requires a systematic approach. And we would never recommend my illustration to anybody unless they had the other elements of money mastery in place, that they understood the savings principle, they understood the tracking principle, they understood principle number one. When you come to understand these things, then the opportunity to leverage your money is, is even better. And in that, there are many cases to exemplify that. But another thing to do is, is to learn how to, to use the, to become your own bank, you know, to, to be able to use tools that are available to you so that you can put your money in your own bank at a guaranteed rate of return and have access to it whenever you want it. And so we illustrate a 5% rate of return on savings that's extraordinary in the marketplace. It's available but because of a systematic approach, the totality of money mastery, then you're able to have access to these additional tools and thus you become, you have more money. You're going to have more money. You'll have more money for retirement. You've eliminated risk. You know, I, I just, I feel sorry for people in 2008 when they lost their, when the real estate market went in the tank and their stock market went in the tank and, and, and people lost 40, 50% of their savings. How do you like to retire in 2008 then have the rug pulled out from under you, which it did for many. It happened in 2000, it happened in 1993, it happened in 1987 and so on. So these, these, these adjustments in the marketplace were ill prepared to handle it absent a systematic approach to manage your money, which is what, what money mastery you uniquely does in terms of its system. So I'm, I uh, don't overstate the point here, but 
two, there's two points to money in motion. One, you need to have a systematic approach to the management of your money, and Money Mastery is unique in that regard to provide it. And two, there are lots of opportunities to actually get your money to do more than one thing at the same time. You can get it to do four or five things at the same time if you know how to do it, but that takes some perspective based on a, a, uh, having a system in place because there's things we would recommend, would not recommend to somebody that does not have a system in place to support the process over time. Now, Mr. Williams, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? I would actually suggest a basis of four principles that have been applied in the parent's life such that the children can see them. The children need to be educated by example. To be able to manage money better, communicate better, and so uh, and deliver and, and pay off their debt quicker and show some productive concerns. So when when Janie wants to go to McDonald's for dinner, the answer is no. Don't be stupid. We can't do that. The answer is well, how can we figure out to do that? And that's a good idea. But let's see if we can do it. There's a methodology as to how you communicate with your kids about money and involve them in the process of learning how. So it's a huge legacy to be able to teach people, their children, how to manage money. And the specific principles that I would focus on in that regard involve principles one, two, three, and four. You've suggested three. I'm recommending four because of their interconnectivity to be able to, to pass that on uh, to the kids. The second thing that I would focus on is, is not about money management per se, about estate planning. When people die, they tend to leave things to their kids. And that's good and that's okay, but sometimes that's an agonizing process for the survivors that can go on for years. It's a painful process. So the recommendation I make is that we should want to leave our kids things, of course, but we need, more importantly, to leave a legacy of harmony. There's no moment greater than having the family meet together without rancor after the passing of a parent. And so a legacy of harmony is, I think, from an estate planning standpoint, a parental standpoint, is one of the great legacies. And then the example of proper money management using principles one, two, three, and four. Mr. Williams, how can my audience learn more about you, Money Mastery, uh, your company, and stay informed of all the projects that you're involved with? We're available at moneymastery.com. Uh, we're available at a phone call away that's, that's also on the side of the 801-292-1099. Uh, we have a, a ton, ton of information available. We're, we're available 24-7. We love people to, to comment on our blogs. There's a ton of information available and hundreds of blogs that are available on our website. So if you want information and in personal money management, moneymastery.com is available uh, to you to do that. You can subscribe to our program 
or you can uh, and, and or you can involve yourself in our coaching program, which we work one on one with you typically for a year or six months, uh, depending on the process. And uh, we're available, uniquely available to help you manage your money better. Yeah, there's a wealth of information on MoneyMastery.com. I would highly recommend it. A lot of resources, uh, very powerful information on the blog. Mr. Williams, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, just sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners. Um, it was fantastic to have you have you on the show. I had a blast. You bet, MC. Glad to be with you. Thank you very much. Hi, this is MC Lobsher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Valhalla Wealth Financial. We help individuals, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and professionals build their wealth outside of Wall Street and help investors maximize the use of every dollar in their personal economy and boost their investment gains. We do this by combining their capital and investments with the financial vehicle of the wealthy, according to the infinite banking concept. If you are interested in learning more, you can email me at info at cashflowninja.com and I will send you a copy of Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. Thank you for joining me and my guest, Alan Williams, on the Cashflow Ninja podcast today. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. I really have been humbled by your support and feedback, guys, and I love getting those daily emails from you. Please keep them coming. I personally respond to all of those emails that you send me. As always, if there's any way that I can provide more value to you and serve you better, please email me at info at cashflowninja.com. And don't forget to take advantage of the offers from our partners that aims to empower you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Our healthy partner on it provides supplements, nutrient dense, and earth-grown foods and fitness equipment to help you achieve your next level of well-being and total human optimization. Our listeners can get a 10% discount with coupon code GETONIT at CashflowNinjaHealth.com. Our wealthy partner Fundrise gives everyone the opportunity to invest directly in high-quality real estate without the middleman. Fundrise makes the process of investing in the highest-quality commercial real estate from around the country simple, efficient, and transparent. You can get started with as little as $1,000, and you do not have to be an accredited investor to participate in some of their offerings. You can check them out at CashflowNinjaWealth.com. And don't forget our wise partner, Audible. You can download any audiobook for free when you try Audible for 30 days. You can get your free audiobook download at CashflowNinjaBook.com. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. You have been listening to the Cashflow Ninja with your host, MC Laubscher, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Today's show notes and resources are available on our website, CashflowNinja.com. 
This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objective, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.